outbound ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone, it is such a pleasure to welcome Alice from Surrey in England to meet me in the field today. I've had the pleasure of watching Alice's spiritual awakening and growth over the past few years and am terribly excited to share her story with you. This young lady went for a life of alcoholism, drug addiction and anorexia to graduating from the Royal College of Arts earlier this year. She starts her master's degree in art in September at the same institute. How awesome is that? If you want to see more of her work, please follow her on Instagram at Let's Get Clayful. Let's Get Clayful. I need to apologize for the sound at stages in the recording. The Zoom link between Cape Town and Surrey wasn't too great, but we made the best of what we got. This podcast is supported by Orangutans in the Field, the podcast where Marva and I talk about life stuff, how it impacts our mental health and how we deal with it. Catch this unedited, raw, sometimes heart-hitting and always blatantly honest podcast on Anchor FM and Iona FM. Please also look out for information on my book Life and Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage, which is www.freddy.org.za. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me in my shop, which is www.freddyshop.co.za. Freddy in both cases is spelled with an I-E at the end. This is Alice's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy Did you hear that? This meeting is being recorded. Yeah, I heard it. Are, are, you, are you aware of that? You've heard it? You will not hold me liable for anything that, that goes onto my website or anything after this? <laughs> I mean, I might do, but let's see. <laughs> well, I will just use this kind of, you are aware that this has been recorded. So, Alice, we are talking to each other. You are somewhere in the UK. Tell us where you are. I'm in Surrey just outside of London. Okay. How far outside of London is it? Like um, about 40, 50 minutes on the train okay. into Central. Okay. And are you born and bred? I am. London, UK. Where, where were you born and bred? I was born literally about 20 minutes from where I am now. Okay. Now. Um, and we've recently moved a little bit further into the countryside, but it's not very much further and it's a different world. Beautiful. It's called an area of outstanding natural beauty. Oh, wow. It's very nice. An area, an area of ex, what? exceptional? Outsta- outstanding natural beauty. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. And excuse my extreme ignorance. Is Surrey a county? County, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, it's a, okay. And in what town? Um, so I live in a village called Mickleham, which is barely a village. Like we don't even have a shop. Um, <laughs> and then it's about minutes from Dorking. The only thing we have is a pub and a church. <laughs> <laughs> 
of which you use neither. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether I should congratulate you or cry. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to meet me in the field. It is so awesome to have you to have you as, as 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 my guest. And I'm very very upset that you are dressed so excessively sunny for summer while I'm sitting in a relatively cold Cape Town. Yeah, the tables have turned. Tables have turned indeed. But you you kind of summer or, or spring has been late late in arriving in your area, hasn't it? It has. It's been very cold. We had snow in April. Oh, my word. Yeah. So it's taken its time. So we're all, like, very overjoyed that it's finally here. <laughs> and are, are you the type of person who, who, who actually goes and tans? Well, I'm not intentionally, but I spend a lot of time outside, but not necessarily sunbathing, but I managed to catch the sun when I'm outside, okay. which is very nice, us because you you you're quite a nature a nature child you love being out in nature you 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 re, recapture nature a lot in your art i do and same as you believe that nature is my higher power awesome. so many good excuses to spend a lot of time outside um which is really nice especially around here when there's i've got a nice river flowing through forests oh. hills so it's just special, lovely it really and a special affinity for dead squirrels I hear <laughs> yeah, I realised it was <laughs> was, it, was it not a squirrel it was a rabbit yeah we, we, we both froze a bit but, but we back did you say it wasn't a squirrel it was a rabbit it was a rabbit yeah I don't know why okay. I thought it was a squirrel but yeah I've buried it buried in the garden <laughs> and, 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 and the idea is to 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 to, to, to um, what what's the right word when you when you decompose. to decompose and when you when you dig it up again to get um, the bones? Yeah, so you're after the bones. I am. I've got a nice collection of bones, and <laughs> so I will find any opportunity to find some more to add to the collection. <laughs> you sound like a very very sick person. We'll get you. We'll, we'll get to the explanation of what we are talking about at later stage in the conversation, because people must be thinking, "Who the hell is this?" My name is Alice. I'm a bone collector. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, Alice, did you grow up um, religiously? Um. Yes, I suppose in a way I did, but um not really for the right reasons so i i went to church occasionally as a child but it was never really enforced and, and then i had a very close friend who went to church so i used to go to church just to see her um okay. and i even went on some camps but i never really got on board with like organized religion and um i guess i see a lot of things missing or uh, dangerous paths for religion if it's you if it's misused um, but I think I've always had an appreciation for spirituality and believing in something um, and I've seen like the power of it I guess in various points in my life um, yeah but I've kind of moved away from religion in my teenage years 
when the when the rebel jumped in and the hormones started talking. Absolutely, <laughs> and the <it> over. <laughs> <laughs> so, you are how old now? Twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. Ah, cool. This recording is freaking me out completely because the sound is way behind the voice. So I see your lips moving and then the sound comes through. So every time I see the lips and I don't hear any, anything, I think, oh shit, we've lost sound again. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I must just, I must just accept that this is, this is how it is. Um, so you went after, so Grew up with religion, went to church mostly to, 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 to see a friend. Um, organized religion didn't really resonate with you. Um, as a teenager, then you, 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 you started kind of living, living life. And then after, after school, you went to Boston. Not straight away. So I, I, in my first year out of school, I spent um, three months in Kenya volunteering. It was in a... Um, so, well, this is a very good example of religion, actually. So when I was a young child, um, a girl from my school who was a couple of years older than me, I think she must have been seven at the time, um, she was killed by a tree falling in a thunderstorm at school. And she was oh, the only word. one who, yeah, she was the only one who was even injured. Um, and I mean, obviously, that is one of the most devastating things that could happen and I remember I think I must have only been about five and um, in response to this her parents really lent on the church and that was actually their faith got them through this awful time and they started a charity called Rihanna's Fund because her name was Rihanna and um, and the the kind of catchphrase of it is one life saves many Um, and they the charity kind of purpose well the first thing they did was open this orphanage in Kenya um, oh, wow. and then they've opened it. yeah so I went to that orphanage just after I left school um, so you so which you was went, amazing and it, you went to Kenya yes oh yeah wow, wow, wow. that so, must have been quite it, an amazing experience it was amazing like um, I was it was a very small village in the sort of far west of Kenya um I went with a friend and um we I mean yeah we were just plunged into the the local community and culture it was amazing it was so welcoming and we did a bit of teaching helped out like just I feel like I was taught much more than I taught um killed a chicken gutted a chicken learned all these sorts of skills probably where the obsession with bones come from um <laughs> And yeah, it was absolutely amazing. And I think, and actually in that time, I didn't drink. I didn't act out on my eating disorder. I didn't act out in any way. I was able to sleep without medication and it was just peaceful. And I just liked the, I guess that showed me, I you know, I came from, uh, I went to a boarding school. So a very different culture and society to what I went to in Kenya. And I guess I realized that this, was something that suited me more um oh. like more simple way of life um and just like I think surrounded by people who are very kind is it like and you kind of notice how selfish we are mm. um 
happened. It's a very quite a selfish, can be, not always. I think difficult times bring out the best in people. Um, so yeah, it was amazing. And then I traveled around Asia for a bit after that. And oh, then wow. I moved to Madagascar for a year. So I just traveled really for my first couple of years. Good Some could tell. Geographical. <laughs> and where in Asia were you? Did you go to? I went to um, India, uh, oh. the Philippines, Bali, Singapore, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Good grief. Yeah. And how long were you away for? This sounds like an amazing trip. It was amazing. I was away for four months. Wow. Um, yeah, it was just incredible. It really was. You and your friend traveled together, Kenya and Asia, or did you do Asia on your own? Um, so I did parts of Asia on my, my sister joined me for some of it and then, and some friends from school I met with. So I kind of did a mix and met people in various places. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. wow. And, and was that an, a, a, a pre-arranged trip or did you decide, okay, I've spent enough time in Singapore, now I'm going to the next place or how did you do that? Um, so some of it was prearranged, so we had flights booked and that was kind of our markers. But then when I got to like uh, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, we had no flights. So we just sort of did that as we wanted, you know, and were quite free. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Awesome. And where in India were you? That's still one place that I... I really want to go and visit, but I'm, I'm actually quite nervous to go there. I don't know why. Oh, um, I did sort of the I Rajasthan, and then I went down to Udaipur, uh, Mumbai, and Goa. Um, but I mean, it's a really incredible country. I felt, I think, yeah, I felt very welcomed and safe there. Um, I really, yeah, I loved India. I think it's an amazing place. Again, like incredible spirituality there. Um, and, uh, you know, I know obviously it's, there's a lot of danger and a, a lot of problems, but also there's a lot of, like, in the way people live. Yeah. Oh, wow. And what was your impression of time? Great fun. <laughs> <laughs> did you go to the islands? I did. Okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, Thailand, yeah, it'd be interesting to do it not drinking uh, because I probably can't remember much of Thailand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's a beautiful place. Mm. Okay. So you mentioned, and we'll get to the Madagascar experience now, but you mentioned that when you went Kenya, you didn't drink, you didn't act out on your, on your ED or any other form of acting out, and you, you slept without medication. So, so do I gather by, by that time already there was eating disorder in, in play, there was mental health issues in play already? Yeah, so I think um, my first met my eating disorder were when I first got caught, which was when I was 14. And I honestly can't remember how long before that it had even started. Um, so and when I started drinking when I was about 13 and I you know I would say I probably never drank normally really it was always oh. to get drunk and um 
I had some, you know, like experiences from quite young where I was like, I don't know, paralytic, but very drunk. Um, yeah. Very much, you know, not in a good way. Um, so I think, yeah, I definitely from probably around 13, 14 was acting out on various addictions. And um, I mean, I've been diagnosed with bipolar in recent years, which makes a lot of sense for how I felt as a teenager when that was starting to develop as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess they kind of developed together. Um, but with, you know, with like with alcohol, it was kind of manageable, I suppose. You know, it wasn't that I was 14 and needing to drink every day, just yeah. in the beginning, getting very drunk every weekend or whatever. Um, and with my eating disorder, you know, mine, I guess, progressed kind of slowly in a sense mm. that I carry on with school. And um, I think I probably stopped certain behaviours at certain times and would kind of switch between different types of eating disorders. Um, yeah, so I think it developed fair, you know, through my teenage years slowly enough for me to be able to carry on doing what I was doing. Um, yeah. What I can gather is that when you said you got caught, that's obviously bulimia. Yes. Okay, so that could caught, caught, caught being purged. What was your parents' reaction? Um, so I was, I, so I boarded at school and I was told by my housemistress that I was going home like midweek. So I knew something was obviously wrong and my parents spoke to me about it. And I can't, I remember that we had the conversation. I can't really remember the conversation. And they told me that I was going to be going to see a psychiatrist. So we went to this like big treatment center thing. I wasn't made an inpatient, um, but I went and spoke to this psychiatrist. And then I think I did counseling for a, a while, but I would, I remember screaming in the car on the way to my mum and I think I said things like um if you do this it means you don't love me and that sort of thing so mm. I don't know how long that went for because I don't I was not compliant at all um and then yeah so obviously it didn't get sorted wow and how did you perform at school through not through, through all of this okay well in my, for up to GCSE, I just didn't care. Um, and then in A-level, something switched in me and I started to work a lot harder and I did quite well in my A-levels. Um, and I guess I started to, like, I found that um, real like thrill from achieving, which is something that hasn't left me since then. Mm -hmm. um, and I got yeah, quite motivated and hardworking. Yeah. And when you said you referred to different forms of 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 of, of, um, of your eating disorder, do I gather that that the bulimia um, developed into anorexia, and did you did, did you then play with overeating, purging, anorexia, overeating, purging, anorexia type of? Thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and a bit of overexercising as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that definitely, I would just I think I would go through cycles of those. Um, okay. I mean, I can remember from like the more recent years, 
And there, I, I mean, I was in a cycle of, because bulimia makes your face look awful, like your skin goes all spotty and disgusting. But when I'd get to that point where my face was like that, I would stop and I would restrict. And then when my face had gone back to normal, I would start purging again. And that was my, my cycle. <laughs> Good grief. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Fuck yourself up, up, up according to how you look. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love the addictive brain. <laughs> we, we are such unique people. We actually spoke about it the other day about how unique our brains are. <laughs> Listen, um, and then how, how on earth did Madagascar happen? And what on earth did you go and do in Madagascar? <laughs> so, I've always been, let's say, a bit of a free spirit. When I came back from Asia, I got a job as a street fundraiser. I don't know if you have those in South Africa. Um, but basically, so I was working for the Red Cross and what you do is you literally spend your days on the streets and try and get people to sign up to regular donations, um, which I loved because I could be outside. I was talking to random people. Some people were really rude. I once got spat on. Um, oh my and it taught me a lot. Like I've taken a lot away from that job of how to just be <laughs> and how not to be. Um, and how to be thick skinned and how to... How to deal yeah. with abandonment and rejection. Well, especially exactly. rejection. Yeah. Really a lot of rejection. Wow. Um, and anyway, in my first, I was like pretty good at that job. Um, and in my first week, I was in working in Camden and I stopped this guy and like you have this whole, you know, building rapport and everything. So I was telling him all about the like what work the Red Cross are doing at the moment. And then he asked him to sign up and he said he couldn't because he doesn't have an English bank because he lives in Madagascar. And um, anyway, so I thought, oh, wow, what do you do there? Turns out he was the headmaster of this British school in Madagascar, gave me his business card. So I was just like, fuck it, let's apply. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do after the Red Cross and everything. And I didn't want to be there forever. So, um, yeah, I found the um, I got the job and went and said to my parents I'm going to Madagascar so yeah so that was an interesting way to get a job could have gone horribly wrong (laughs) and how long were you in Madagascar for I was there for a year oh wow yeah um and that like it was the most incredible time and I've made I was so lucky the I've made the most incredible friends from that who I'm still like one of them literally been staying for a couple of days yeah. and um but then my illness took on a new course and oh. that's where things started to, yeah to really to really unravel for you oh, wow. yeah that's started to drink every day uh, and not necessarily because I just Yes, it just became more of an addiction, I suppose. Um, and really reckless behavior. And my eating disorder was horrible. I mean, I had time. That's when also bipolar became a real thing, where there mm. were times where I literally would not be able to get out of bed. Um, and luckily, I had these incredible friends, like the one who stayed with me, we were talking about. It, and she was like, do you remember that time that I literally forced you to get up and get in the car? And we just went for a drive. And that they were like my rock, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it was amazing. Unfortunately, slightly tarnished by my illness. Wow. wow. And can you remember 
any sense of spirit or spirituality at that time of your, in your life? Or was it was, was, was the illness to God? Um, I knew I knew that there was something because of how my life had led me to these places that, you know, I mean, I have such a strong belief that like those girls we were meant to meet, the way we all came to there was very fate, really. Um, so I believed that there was something that was guiding me through, I guess, and looking after me. Um, I guess the fact I was still alive, like, I know it sounds a bit dramatic, mm. but there were times where I think, how if I, um, how am I still alive? Um, and I started to fear my eating disorder particularly. I didn't know that I was an alcoholic at this point, but I did start to fear my eating disorder because I felt how out of control it was. Yeah. Um, and I felt that there were time, you know, there was a time I went to a doctor out there and I wanted to tell them that this was the thing and I needed help. And I sat in this doctor's office and I just cried and I couldn't say anything. I just could not like get the words out of what I was. So I literally went and sat and cried in front of a doctor and then left. Um, mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I knew there was something out there. And I'd always I had always had this interest in religion and like, you know, the epic poem Paradise Lost. Do you know that? Mm -hmm that's always been an obsession. Um, so there was that as well that gave me certain ideas and beliefs in something, I guess. Cool, awesome. And after you in Madagascar? I then did go to university. Um, and now we have frozen. Hello. Can you hear me? Alice, Alice, where are you? Yeah, I can see you now. <laughs> and you. you. Oh, this is actually my, I get a message that my internet is unstable. I apologize for my unstable internet. Um, You're so unstable. <laughs> exactly. No, it's my internet is unstable. I am perfectly, perfectly serene in the, in, the, in the eye of the storm. Like I said to a friend the other day, um, I had an IT meltdown because everything went wrong with my, with my computers. And um, she, she just saw Freddie meltdown. And <laughs> she was immediately on the phone. What's going on with that? It was an IT meltdown. I'm fine. I was calm to eye of the store. <laughs> so, and what did you go and study? Um, politics and French. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was just, I just had no idea what I was doing. And at that point, I was really like, I shouldn't have, well, I don't like regret anything, but there wasn't the right choice that I went to university at that point. Um, I didn't want to go. I just was scared and didn't know what else to do. And so that I decided to do that. And yeah, it was an absolute fuck up, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Every single year. <laughs> how, long did, how long did you spend there? I only lasted a year and a half. And then that was, I left to go to treatment. Okay. Okay, so, yeah. so things got progressively worse. What I found really interesting, ah. Alice, is, is this, this kind of inner knowledge that you are busy killing yourself, but that inability to ask for help. It sounds like it's such a terrible place, and I can so relate to it. <laughs> yeah. No. And, I mean, I so when, so my parents did visit me in Madagascar, 
And the second they saw me, they knew that I was not well. Um, so it was a really, I mean, we have such fond memories of that trip because it was crazy. Like it was, <laughs> yeah, it was just a fun trip, but they, it was hard because they, you know, tried to intervene and I wouldn't let them. Um, so then when I came back, I did see a counselor and probably a psychiatrist or something, but only for like three or four sessions before I went up to uni. Mm. And at this point, and then I remember the, di- the psychiatrist saying to me, you're now, you know, you've become anorexic more than bulimic. And I was like, yes, great. That was my life goal. So I walked away very happy from that because um, that's all oh. I ever wanted to be. I wanted anorexic. Um and which I think is quite common for bulimic that kind of being able to be anorexic would be the goal um and then anyway so I went to uni and then I mean all of the heads of my disease just got huge yeah yeah, yeah. it was all just a difficult time and the consequences started to get worse um and yeah I just and and then yeah so I had that first year which was awful and I didn't I couldn't make friends and this sort of thing and then my second year would have been better the setup was good I had a house with nice people but I just got yeah really really everything just suddenly started to ramp up um and like like you know um things like I would try and jump out the window when I was drunk I became I was doing drugs a lot uh um, my eating disorder was awful and yeah mm. so I went home for Christmas yeah and I said to myself I'm going to stop purging I'm going to cut down on drinking I'm going to stop doing drugs and I'm going to stop having sex and the only thing I managed to do was I stopped purging I eat restricting and then binging uh, um, and then but the drinking and that was the thing I think that without even questioning whether that I was an alcoholic that was the thing that really terrified me because I did realize that I started to feel very powerless and I'd go out with the intention of one or two drinks and I'd come home the next morning with no idea what had happened um Mm. and um so just amplify so what happened that you that you came to treatment in South Africa so um, I had, at the beginning of January, I um, went on a date with someone I'd met in a bar or a restaurant, and that ended with unconsensual sex, let's say. Um, and I was not, you know, at that point, I blocked everything out and shut it down. So I didn't Mm. even acknowledge what had happened. And then two days later, I had a complete mental breakdown. And I I don't really remember it because I was drunk, but it was with my family. I think I was threatening suicide and that kind of thing. And the next day, my parents said to me, you're not going back to Newcastle, you're going into treatment. So I, and at that point, I was so defeated and I was just desperate to feel safe. Like, that's what I remember. And I felt like I was a fraud because I was like, I don't think I actually have an eating disorder, mm. but I really want to be safe. So I will go to treatment. Yeah. And oh, my cool. motive. Um, 
and then I went to, so I went to a treatment center in the UK, but I don't know if you've heard treatment in the UK is not very good. And um, so I did about five weeks there. And then we heard about this place, Imani in South Africa. And um, so I was shipped off there. Well, I voluntarily went, I was not shipped off. Um, to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was like, great. I'm so excited yeah. to get back. I missed it. <laughs> you? Um, so I was very, I was quite, very, quite uh, excited to go to South Africa. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know, oh, it'd be so nice in the sun. It was, of mm. course, not in treatment. Um, but yeah, and then I was there and that's wow. where the magic happened. Yeah. I so get, I so get your, 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 your feeling of, of going to treatment to feel safe. I remember mm. that for, for my experience of treatment as well. I felt so safe. I'll never ah. forget the treatment centre had this big, this big gate at the front that kind of slid open and slid closed. And the minute that I heard the gate going, I started feeling anxious because the, 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 the bad, the bad was, was, was able to come in. Mm. And, and when, it, when it closed again, I felt safe. Okay, now the bad's outside again. It was, it was, it was amazing. I felt so, so, so safe. And that, 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 that was so important to me at that stage. And... Um, and coming into treatment, it, it was obviously a 12-step fellowship because that's, that's how I got to know you. But did you, did you then connect with the whole spirituality of the program or, or was it a difficult path for you? Um, it was quite difficult for me. And I think I can be quite lazy. <laughs> so being told I had oh. like all this step work, having a sponsor. And I remember thinking, I will never have a sponsor. That sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> And now you've got two. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I. it took me a while to get into it. I think probably for the first three or four months, I just couldn't, like, I put minimal effort into doing step work. I just did it because I had to. I went to meetings. I didn't really listen. Um, I found meetings very boring. Um, yeah, so I think, and then with the higher power, like, I wanted it. And I, I could believe in it because I'd always been a spiritual person. Like I'd always kind of, it wasn't like I was a complete atheist and I didn't, you know. So, and I'd seen like, I'd seen proof of a higher power in my life already. So that in a sense, I think it was just finding my way of communicating and my way of like praying. Um, mm. That was maybe my struggle. And like, I, it took probably like, I mean, it's a process. I think it's still an ongoing yeah process and I maybe after a year or so I started to feel comfortable with my higher power but I would still go through phases of feeling a bit disconnected um but yeah I think it is that's the key to it all really awesome so so so, so it, it happened for you and um and and, and it, it, it's still a process for you what I can gather as mm -hmm. well so Tell the, 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 the readers a little bit from what happened that you got, that you left South Africa. Because that is such a good story. Ah! Now, now we get to the good shit. <laughs> That's the good shit. Okay. Oh, gosh. But the, how long, in, which version of this story? Because I feel like there's so many. Um, <laughs> led to it, you know. So, I mean, Okay. Where do I begin with that? So I was in Imani, the treatment centre, for about 11 months. Um, 
I've, I should say at this point, I have always been very creative. Um, as a teenager, my dream was to be a fashion designer. I have in my time been rejected from about 13 universities for creative subjects, which was all when I was in active addiction. Um, yeah, I was always applying, like always applying to places. I don't know why, I just like, just always applied to like random places. But anyway, and then um, I, yeah, so I went home for Christmas when I was about nine months in, having had a very difficult time um, where I had relapsed on my one of my process addictions. Um, and the consequences of that were quite huge um, in terms of I nearly got kicked out of treatment and I nearly lost all the amazing friends that I had made in treatment. Um, and then when I went home, I was a bit broken again <laughs> after doing all this work. But it was, an it was a really important time for me to see another version of my illness. Um, and in, um, in then going home I then ramped up my recovery and by the time I got back to South Africa after Christmas everyone said I was like a different person but in that time I was like what am I going to do with my life like I have no qualifications um blah 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 and I found this course um at the Royal College of Art in London and I just thought you know Wait, what just, fuck it. just 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 you I, I don't know if you said it very fast or if, if the sound made that far, weird but that was the Royal College College of Arts in London Cool. Right. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I and then I was like, I had a feeling, and I think that was my higher power. That I was like, I have a feeling that I actually this is because I used to apply really unrealistically to things. That I had a feeling that I actually did have a shot at this, and I'd done so much um, artwork in treatment, like that was literally my number one tool of coping with the whole thing. Um, and so I was just like, you know what, I should just apply. So I started my application process and I applied whilst I was in treatment. I had to do this video of myself talking about my work, which I did on the balcony in the centre. But I did all this stuff. Um, the, the team were really supportive. It was amazing. And then anyway, so I left in February 2020 um, treatment and went to a sober living house. And then um, COVID obviously happened in March. <laughs> Yeah. I was locked in again after having spent the last <laughs> summer. Having had a few weeks of freedom. <laughs> had a few weeks of freedom before. Um, and then, anyway, during COVID, two months before the course started, I found out that I got in, um, mm. which for me was proof of higher power because I it was like I'd done the work I needed to do to be able to do what I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm really grateful for is that I have so much gratitude and so much appreciation and it feels like such a gift that I was given. So the whole time through the course, which I finished now, because it was a pre-master's course, all I felt was just like this, this immense gratitude for the opportunity I had and I would not let it go to waste basically. Yeah. And I'm that's happy that I have that. So um and That's yeah, wonderful. No, you know, and, and you worked very, very hard, and you did very, very well as well. Um, yeah. And and your your favorite medium is clay. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know if 
I have a favorite Freddy. It's like choosing a favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> or, or your favorite cat. I know how difficult that is. <laughs> but mm. but you, you you focused on clay during this this pre-master schools. Well, yeah, um, no, probably not. No. It was very experimental. So I did, I actually did a mixed, huge mixture of things. Really? But clay, okay. clay is like very special to me because that is something I only started doing in recovery. And um, okay. like I did Cape Town. Um, and that I was like you've my... been you've been busy with no. clay for for most of your life. Whoa! Oh, whoa! Okay. So I started in. Um, I went to the Barbara Jackson place in um, Gosh Greenpoint, and that was also like freedom because it was whilst I was in treatment and I was allowed mm. to go out one night a week to Sarabo. So it was like the most incredible feeling, like drive you know that gorgeous drive from the southern yeah. suburbs into the city mm, oh. yeah. and it was just the whole thing of it was incredible and so that's what it means to me I guess clay is like kind of freedom in a way oh, cool. um yeah and I love things that I only have had since recovery you know like the things that are new always mean a lot I think yeah because they are the gift yeah and what happens next well, what is, what, what's in store for you? Because you're currently on holiday. Yes, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think so. Well, I've got quite a lot coming up. Um, so I just said to you that I've been shortlisted for a competition, which is really exciting. Um, I've got a I'm starting to sell my ceramic work at markets. My first one is the 3rd and 4th of July. I then have an exhibition from the 6th till the 12th of July. And then on the 13th of July, I'm going to the Isle of Wight for my first residency. That's amazing. <laughs> so that is so, I, so, so awesome. I start my master's of, in sculpture in September at the Royal College of Art. So it's a busy time and a wonderful time. I am still absolutely gobsmacked at at those words and then i'm starting my masters in <laughs> do, do, do you think that 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 from from this broken little being that arrived on the shores of africa <laughs> to two years and six months later i'm starting my masters at the royal college of art it's, it, it, it's beyond what, what happened for you in this period. It is just, it's phenomenal. I know, it's crazy. I can't, I like, literally, I can't believe it. Well, it is just one of the most amazing stories of motivation, inspiration, and what's possible. And then that's why I really wanted you on this podcast, because this is... I'm still, every time we speak, I'm so fascinated here. So what's the next good thing that happened? The next good thing that happened? It just gets better and better and better. And every time it goes, oh, my God, I've got this long holiday. I don't know what's going to happen in next month. Oh, you, won't, you won't believe what happened. I got a, a residency. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So <laughs> it is just beyond, 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 beyond. So, yeah, the, the, if, if anybody gets anything from 
from this amazing chat, it is that endless possibilities that once we start making the, the, the right choices for ourselves, how, how the whole universe just opens up for us. Yeah, it is. And also like the thing I find the most, one of the most reassuring things that I've got is like that all you actually have to do is ask for your higher powers will and put in whatever action. <laughs> I mean, like what that just makes life so much easier. Yeah. And that once you've got that, like, and that's exactly what I do. And it's really a kind of an abstract thing of like getting that will. I'm not quite sure how I get it, but like I know I've got, like I feel yeah. it. Um, and then you just know that like you're going to be okay, basically. Mm. And that's all I really need. To- <laughs> it is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And just for the listeners' sake, I also just want to mention that the bipolar is still very much alive in your life. Yes. Um, and and, and you good. had a, quite a bad bi- bi- bipolar episode. But despite that, you just kept on putting the one foot in front of the other, got through the bipolar episode, or, or definitely the depression side. And look at you today, sitting in your, in your cute little dungaree in sunny Surrey. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> in sunny Surrey. <laughs> And I'm ready to enjoy a beautiful spring day outside. And Alice, on yeah. that, I want to thank you. I want to thank you so, so, so much for making this time and putting the energy in to have this chat with me and my guests. It was just, I still Amazing just feel so, so, so light when I, when I, when I hear your story. Such, oh. a, such a story of hope. It's beautiful. And thank you thank- for, 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 for taking on this journey with me. It's so beautiful. Can I say that you're my sponsor? Is that allowed? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, the, friend, the listeners, you must be very jealous. <laughs> I have the best sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. Alice, stay as awesome as you are. And thank you, you so much. And have a thank most you. beautiful day. And I'll chat to you. Oh, I miss you. I'm missing on two weeks. I'll chat to you when I'm back somewhere the 28th somewhere around there i'll check you again have an amazing time freddie you so deserve a break thank you so 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 much love you long time look after yourself enjoy your day see ya bye bye i honestly got goosebumps while talking to alice it is so inspirational to hear how alice picked herself up and by allowing Mother Nature to work in her life, is becoming more and better than she ever thought she could be. I am beyond happy and grateful for her allowing me to capture her motivational journey here, and wish her all of the best on her future studies and with her art. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or on Twitter at at Freddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an I-E at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.